some kind of disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Who are you people? I want a coffee! You, 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 you are now to 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 Where love and life come together. Come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Welcome to Unlimited with Roxanne and Ace. So excited to have you with us as we share our lives, tidbits from the news, and of course, our faith, big time. And I like to be highly amused and laugh with my buddy. It's good to see you, Ace. Yeah, it's good to be back as, of course, uh, hopefully your summer's been well. We want to say thanks to my brother's Cub and Birmingham Mortgage Group for making this show possible. I think one of the big talks is what movies are you seeing this summer? I know uh, you and I are big movie buffs, so we try to stay on top of that. I cannot find the time this week. These next couple of weeks are kind of busy for me, but the new Mission Impossible and Barbie hitting theaters, and that's like everyone's talking about. It's like two of the best scripts all summer. Mission Impossible getting incredible ratings from everybody, even those who have a disdain for Tom Cruise. They say the movie's incredible. But the big news is Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer and Greta Gerwig's Barbie opening the same weekend and everybody getting combo tickets. I have friends that want to do Barbie in the daylight and want to do the Christopher Nolan darker movie at night. And I thought, Mm. why? Why are people doing this? Well, it's two major blockbusters that couldn't be more opposite. Barbie is pink and love and fun and, and sort of has, you know, this cool vibe. And then you've got Oppenheimer about building an atomic bomb and part of it is in black and white. It took $100 million to make the movie. They say it's one of the best movies of all time. That's how it's being hyped at that level about the making of an atomic bomb. So it's interesting. I don't remember ever people buying combo tickets to two different movies with two different themes in a weekend. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've I personally have gone to two movies back to back, but I think I was the only one that did that. It <laughs> wasn't done by the masses. But the thing that's interesting too, especially with the actor strike going on right now, a lot of shows are on hiatus. Movies that had original releases have been bumped. So to get quality writing and get the big name actors and and feel like you're seeing something new and exciting and being excited about it. I think there's also going to be this starvation period where if we had, depending upon how long this strike goes on, as to what else will we be missing out on because not everyone is back to work yet. Well, Severance, a show that we were astounded by, may never come back. And it had one season and... We're just, we would really like for someone to write that and, and yeah. stick with it. That's just one example. Other breaking news to talk about Taylor Swift's Swifties Rejoice. She has made more number one albums than any woman in history. Even more than Whitney? Yes. Wow. And here's, here's what I thought you may find interesting. Swift ties Drake's record for 12 number one records, but sits just behind Jay-Z, who has 14, and the Beatles have? Your guess is as good as mine. I'm not good with stats. I just know we're talking albums. We're talking 19. We're talking records, number one records. I guess that could be a whole album. Let me... Because I know there's there was a time, yeah, there was a time, I think either 64, 
Yeah, okay. So albums, we're talking how many number one albums the Beatles had? Yes. Um, as I'm wearing my Beatles shirt, I should hopefully get this right. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say six. Nineteen. Oh, okay. I was just trying to think of some of the bigger ones, especially during the creative era, you know, what else was going on around them from like Sgt. Pepper on was kind of what I was envisioning. But a lot of the thing too, and this is still to this day, which I love, is that so many people compare today's artist by what the Beatles did or the Bee Gees did or, you know, some of the bigger super groups that had like the top five singles all at one time were by the same artist. I mean, that's, I think Taylor's probably the first to reaccomplish that after probably decades of not seeing it from anyone else. Well, and your album, your newest one, debuts at number one. That is a lot of success. Yeah. And members of my family have spent thousands of dollars of tickets to see Taylor, and they all come back and say, best concert by far of all time. Mm -hmm. And so you and I are somewhere in the middle on all that. Yeah, I mean, watching <laughs> how she managed to pull off performing in the rain in Nashville, I mean, those trends from that show, I will say that is that is a true artist. She's there for the fans. She's not going to stop. Even ruined a piano as a result of the rain and just the downpour that was happening, which kind of broke my heart a little bit. But she still kept going. And I was like, okay, if if that's how committed she is to her fans, then I can get on board for who she is and what she represents because she's truly talented. I am just not of the demographic that her songs, you know, I, I miss the days of like middle-aged balding men singing <laughs> about love and heartache. And I could relate to that at 15 and 16. And truly now uh, things translate differently as you get older and go, hmm, that's what that song is about. I was actually talking about that this week with a friend, Goodbye Stranger by Supertramp, one of my favorite songs. Never really thought about, you know, that it's about, you know, one night stands and didn't get her name and all that. It's like, whoo, okay. So, you know, the, the, the songs that shaped us, you know, are also the ones that we're very nostalgic about. So, you know, you, you, your heart gravitates to what you do. So Taylor's just not in that vein for moi, but I have a daughter, you know, literally, you know, a few feet from me, probably blaring her earbuds full of Taylor right now. So you know, <laughs> I, I embrace it for what it is. Well, Ace, I don't know about you, but I lost sleep a couple nights this week, along with many people all around the nation who were watching what happened with nursing student, 25-year-old Carly Russell from Hoover, Alabama, central part of the state, suburb of Birmingham. And she goes missing, and it was absolutely terrifying. She calls 911. She thought she saw a white toddler wearing diapers by the side of 459, which runs through Alabama. Mm -hmm. And... She did what a lot of people would do, stop, ask the child if the child's okay. Then she disappears. The only traffic cam video, and I've watched all of them in slow motion, really don't reveal much because there's so much glare from the lights. Yeah. Then she's gone for two days. Then she shows up on her parents' doorstep. Then everybody's got a lot of questions because I have a 25-year-old who drives that same stretch. Then mm -hmm. you think, well, if there is a kidnapper, yeah. let's have a photo. Let's have a sketch. Let's be in a big search for a kidnapper. Sure. And so a lot of people say stories aren't adding up. We don't have much information about what happened. And people want that information because many of them were involved in searches, were praying, 
And so we're left now to wonder. And a lot of people say it's a hoax, which is very hurtful to Carly's parents who went on the Today Show as of this taping and said there was a kidnapping and their daughter has been traumatized. Well, even the police haven't said there was a kidnapping. They just say they're investigating. So putting the pieces of this together, what really happened and where was Carly Russell for a couple of days? It's been everywhere I go. That's what people are talking about. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of like you, like watching the video. There's so many things that are still undiscovered and you can't tell because it's so small on the screen. But even the aftermath, like they've been slow to unveil anything that they found either in questioning her or any kind of physical exam. So, I mean, you would have to almost believe, too, was it not even necessarily anything that was shady? Maybe she got out there and blacked out, you know, slipped. I mean, who knows what's going on? But it's the not knowing that makes us all speculate and worry. But it, it, if anything, right now, at least we know she's alive. I mean, that's always usually after two days, you never hear anything good that arises. You know this. You did news for years. And usually anything two days and beyond, it's like, okay, the next story with this person's name in it is they're gone. So at least she's alive and we can find out answers. But in the meantime, it's just one of those where you're like, okay, God, just reveal the truth so we know. And also so we can prevent ourselves from being caught up in that. Cause I'm like you, you know, like I've got daughters that travel and, you know, are in the midst of, you know, being at that age where they're doing a little more on the go. Uh, actually, I talked to my daughter today in their apartment complex in Michigan. They had a domestic shooting last night. <gasps> And so and my, I'm like, what is, you know, cause it's, you know, it's one thing when you're reporting on it, when it's that close to home or it's someone, you know, like it changes your perspective on how you act and prepare yourself when you're on the road. You're, you know, no matter where you have to go, it's like, okay, well, I used to think this neighborhood was a good one. Now I'm kind of second guessing that. Well, I, I want to thank the Lord just briefly, if we could thank you, God, for bringing Carly home. Her parents just terrified a community in the grips of terror. Mm. Just turning to you and every interview her parents gave was all about God, trusting God that she would come home safely. And look what you've done, God. We don't know the details, but we do know a young lady with a whole life ahead of her is at home safe. And so we thank you. We give you all the glory. We thank you that you were with her. We thank you that if she suffered traumas, that you'll be with her and heal her, Lord. No matter what the story is, we know that this young woman is alive. And we give you so much gratitude for that, Lord. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Of course, when you are looking for the better neighborhood, Turin at Birmingham Mortgage Group wants to help make that a reality for you. And I love, too, because as houses are starting to pop up, people have spent the summer getting it clean and ready and they're, you know, selling just before the new school year starts. This is the time to make sure that you're pre-approved, that you've got all your ducks in a row before you even look at that house, because nothing's more disappointing than to walk in and then go, oh, we didn't get the loan. So you got to let Turin set you up for success. He's a guru when it comes to this. He just studies everything and comes up with unique programs you won't find anywhere else to get you in the house of your dreams. Don't just give up before you've even started. A lot of folks right now are like, eh, interest rates, I'm out. Forget it. 
why not make that call? It's a super important call. 205-259-1656. That's 259-1656. BHAMMortgage.com. Ask for Turan. You're going to love your experience. Amen. And of course, as uh, we go through the summer, I know for a lot of us, we want to be unstuck. We feel like we've gone through the routine. Okay, I'm spending time with God and I'm going to church and, you know, I'm serving in the, you know, leadership or I'm on the worship team, but I just feel stuck that I can't break out of those cycles. And this week got some help to do that. I, I, I have to say, anytime Christine Kane speaks, and she uses it with an accent, so it makes me believe that it's even more so going to happen. A major advocate for fighting human trafficking, Christine Kane's books are are marvelous, and I agree with you. It's fun to hear her speak. She's 55, which I just could not believe it. She looks incredible, my goodness. But she went through what a lot of us did with pandemic. We were like, oh, I'm home too much. I need hobbies. And so for her, it was getting a motorcycle and learning how to ride it. <laughs> and she loved that. But she said, you know what, Lord, all I'm hearing from people is I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Even post-pandemic, we didn't get right back to our normal routines. And so she looked to the Bible for a new book called Don't Look Back. And what she found was the story of Lot's wife. Yeah. What did she do? She looked back became a pillar of salt. Well, what does that really mean to us? We are not to get stuck in the muck and the shame and the pain of things in our past. Yeah. We're new creatures through Christ. And and we're not just saying that because Christine Kane said don't look back or it's a, you know, cute little, you know, vacation Bible school story. We are two people who are saying when we let our past hover over us too long, or we think that it defines us in some way or that we'll always be this way. No, that's what the whole redemption of Christ is, is for us to be able to let go. I don't want to carry it forward. I, I don't have the strength and the energy to carry all of my burdens and all the bad choices that I've made. So if we can't unload them and move forward, then we're missing the whole opportunity of what God is trying to do in us. If he is trying to redeem us and does, what are we doing saying, well, yeah, I'm just not good enough, God. Or I did this. I can never get over it, God. Yeah. He doesn't want us to live with that. Yeah. I heard uh, um, her mother, Angelica, tell a story one time that she was like she had someone had done something to her and they came to apologize. Like they felt remorse. They went to confession, came to her, asked. And then like two days later came back and asked for her forgiveness again. And then two days later came back and asked for her forgiveness again. And she's like, I found myself getting frustrated with them, but it also reminded me of that. That's how we are with God. We think God, please forgive me for the things I've done. And then we keep going back to him or we keep, we ask for forgiveness and then keep doing them only to then add the guilt because we think we're never going to break out of those cycles and we do get stuck. But that's what, that behavior, like you, you ask for what you've done to be forgiven so that then moving forward, he's helping you to peel back any triggers or things that would cause you to stay in that behavior. So, you know, don't, don't think that God's forgiveness isn't codable for all of us. It's not just, well, for those who are really good Christians who are, who are really, you know, they, they are truly doing everything right. He forgives them much easier than he does me. No, it's just a 
and you're done. So we're the ones in the flesh that keep picking that junk back up. And then we don't think that he's forgiving us. And then we just keep asking and asking and asking. And that, that, that at some point, and like Mother Angelica said, I, I would do this as a parent. When your kids are that way, when there's nah, 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 at some point, like I'm changing <laughs> my name and I'm not telling anybody what it is just because you get over it. And I think he gets silent when people say, well, I don't hear God talking to me. Well, what are you saying? Are you still asking for forgiveness on something? He's like, how many times have I got to tell you? And so we are telling you as people who have been delivered from our own stuff and some dark places, he forgives and we sleep better at night. And I love how you mentioned trying to be a perfect Christian and doing a devotion right when you wake. And how many times have you prayed? And how many times have you been in church this week? And if you don't do VBS and volunteer, then you're not a good Christian. God looks at your heart. Mm. What's there? Amen. Well, and we have to change our mind. I mean, Christine Kane even talked about that. You know, nothing changes till we change our mind. And so how you see God, we even talked about that last week's episode about God being the perfect father. And if you haven't listened to that one, go back one episode and then come back and pick this one up. But that's, that's the beautiful thing is to see him through that lens of that. He loves us so unconditionally and and like even though he might get frustrated or disappointed with us like we do with our own kids we still love them we still would do anything for them that's his kind of love to the nth degree and the only way we can really set our mind on that is to then just focus on god and say let me see you in that light and he will i mean you have to ask for that help but don't feel like you got it all put together he's there to help you Sometimes we learn so much from those who go before us. And Mildred Kirschenbaum is 99 years old. She's from Boca Raton, Florida. And her granddaughter was so smitten with her little tidbits of advice. Mm -hmm. She said, you've got to share them with the world. I'm going to put them on TikTok and you just share these. And they've exploded. Millions of people getting advice from this adorable, she's just beautiful, 99-year-old woman. So so what is she talking about? She says some people she knows complain so much about the food they're served, or another big thing they complain about is that their children don't call them enough. She said, you have got to give up on that negative way of thinking. Just order an extra dessert if you're unhappy. Try something else if you're unhappy. Yep. She says... If you only, this is just, this is good. If you only hear from your children once a week, that's fine. If they call you once a week, then call them once a week. Just be grateful and enjoy life. Look at the positive side. Mm -hmm. They have a full life and they're enjoying themselves and they're healthy. Yeah. And I think that's just so smart. Well, yeah. And I actually heard a pastor one time say about that. He goes, you know, when when you're being raised by your parents in your family environment so that one day you will grow up and start your own family, once you've started that family, the way you choose to do things may not always line up schedule wise or holiday wise or whatever, because the way your family's choosing to do it is different than the way either you grew up or the way that maybe your parents anticipate certain holidays or events to go on. And I know there are times that, you know, I'd love for my girls to jump in the car and come down, but really outside of Thanksgiving, I do my best to go see them. 
If we can meet in the middle, we do that. But if it doesn't happen, I make sure I talk to them every week. I make sure if they need me, they know that I am right there. And I know that my parents are the same for me. And, you know, I praise God that they're still living and, and able to do. And, you know, I think they would want to do more <laughs> if I would let them. But at this time, by 51, I, I've kind of learned a lot from them. I would like to think I've put it into practice. <laughs> so, you know, I know how to do it. You know, if I don't, trust me, I will call. I love that. And your parents are adorable and wonderful. And, you know, we have to remember our parents want time with us. And I have to apply that to my daughter. She's busy. You know, mm -hmm. I don't want to be the nagging mother. When do I see you? You know, to be this right. weight on somebody. Yeah. All right. I don't know if you've had time to look at the highly disturbing, shiny, happy people, Duggar family secrets on Amazon Prime. This was so highly upsetting. I have a close personal friend who had family members, a part of this cult. Mm -hmm. And it is so disturbing what this man, Bill Gothard, put people through. He's still alive. He's very angry and tweeting about this series. Yeah. But the things that you see in it take your breath away. And some of it is like, it's like when the devil, and I'm not saying he's the devil, but it's like when the devil talks, there's a partial truth that can hook you. Yeah. I felt that way with a lot of scripture and the things he was sharing were partial truth, but the other part was twisted. And, and they do a spanking of a little boy in public on the stage. And it was so upsetting. I'm like, I think, I think we need to turn it off. Yeah. And the fact that the Duggars, are dug in deep to this ministry that is still alive. It's hurt a lot of people. I mean, people have to go into therapy yeah. after being a part of this. It's so sad. Yeah, this this is one of like several that my wife and I have watched on some kind of cult or some kind of following of someone who claimed and, you know, started off innocent, Jesus-like in the beginning, and then became follow me, I'm the man, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, it, it it reminds me when I was a kid when I say if you if you believe in nothing, you will fall for anything, and I believe that's where, regardless of where you are with your faith with God, if you don't at least have some knowledge of some of these scams and some of these, you know, liars that are trying to lure you in for money or sex or you know both or anything, drugs, whatnot. You have to, at some point, your own gut check, which I always believe is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit talks to you and gives you the do's and don'ts even before you even know who God is. So that then later you can go, oh, that little gut, that was God trying to keep me from going that direction. And there's a reason that these things are now being documented or they were documented then and they're now being exposed so that we can make ourselves aware so that we can know how to see the signs. Well, with the Nexium cult, with Rainier, the guy who's in prison for 120 years, when there is a symbol being branded on your body, and oh, it just so happens to look like his initials, yeah. and beautiful, intelligent women are sucked into the vortex of this man's, I mean, he's brilliant, mm -hmm. but so twisted. Yeah. And I, I think a part of it, Ace, is an intense loneliness that people have, a feeling that they need to belong. It's, and I guess this is a real stretch, but you find that with a gang mentality of, mm -hmm. of a young boy who, who needs a family, who yeah. needs to belong.
And then yeah. before you know it, he's sucked into doing things he never thought he would do. Yeah. Well, and it ties in nicely to the fact of, you know, we've always heard about the five love languages. There is a six, which I always thought was sarcasm, but apparently it's not. <laughs> it's being, it's feeling known. And just like we're talking about people falling into these groups of people who are clearly not out for their own best interest. They're only looking out for themselves. We want to be seen in, in our relationships with our spouses and our relationships with our friends and our community. I mean, you want to be known and heard. And when you have that, you feel so alive. It is all about, according to a psychotherapist, being fully appreciated and accepting your partner for who they are and then doing acts of service that illustrate they've heard you. I'm going to give an example that I'm going to try not to get too choked up. But I said in a brief conversation a long time ago, and it was just a, a passing conversation. Both of my parents had passed away, but my dad would hear my mom's tires hit the driveway after she grocery shopped. She was not allowed to carry any bags of groceries into the house. Mm. And they had a troubled marriage and a really hard time, yeah. but he did not want her to do that. And he honored her with that. She also never touched a lawn ever because she was highly allergic. But I mentioned that very briefly. And Wayne, Wayne here's the garage door. He is out that door carrying those bags. And I, it didn't connect with me that he was doing that from something that I had said a long time ago when he mm -hmm. said, yeah, I, I'm like, you don't have to do this. I've got this. He said, yeah, I remember that, that, that that's how your dad honored your mom. Yeah. And I didn't even remember telling him that. And did, did I feel heard in that moment and understood? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's powerful. <laughs> and it also goes to show that even in the worst or some of the hardest moments of relationships, there still is sprinklings of good. And you see where, okay, those are, those are the, the, the good parts are the parts that I want to carry with me in a legacy to pass on or, or you saw it the opposite and you're like, I want to make sure that I do bring the groceries in or mow the lawn or whatever. So that my spouse never feels the way that I watched my mom and dad treat each other. You know, it, it definitely goes both way, but I will say as, as someone who just recently had a, I won't say an argument, but a frustrated conversation with my wife over groceries, we can sometimes like, we could have easily let that derail us in ways that in previous relationships would have, brah, you know, world <laughs> war three would have erupted, but in the midst of the sanctuary of feeling known by my wife and vice versa, she appreciates that I go grocery shopping. So then she was like, Hey, next time, da, 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 da. And while I was frustrated with myself, I had to give myself some grace because I knew that she wasn't judging. You know, I don't make the groceries. I just buy what's there. Right. But we can't get hung up on the things that make our spouses feel that we, okay, I love you to this point point in the wall and then everything else is you just button up against it until your forehead bleeds. You know, you have to be able to just completely like the walls are down. This is sanctuary. And when you have those moments of just brah, you know, I tell my wife that I was like, I'm, I'm having a moment. I, I'm, I'm going to get a frosty 
and I need some music. I'll see you in an hour. And she knows she, and she knows, right. And she lets Mm -hmm. me be that. And then when I come back, she's like, you okay? I'm like, I'm good. You know, let's, let's have a good dinner. Let's watch a movie or whatever. So that sixth love language, it makes so much sense, especially over the other five. If you're speaking the other five really well, it's not hard to speak that extra one because you're already doing it. You don't even know it. Right. And Gary Chapman, thank you for giving us these because everybody I think knows their love language. Well, one thing you do not do if you want to be loving is get on Christy Brinkley's social media and tell her, wow, you don't you don't look very good anymore. You're 69. I see your wrinkles. Ha, ha, ha. I mean, it's really bad. And she's kind of been more real than ever before. She was a little gray at one point and showed it and said, hey, I kind of like it. What do you think? And she tries not to be all frozen in the face. She's trying to age beautifully, naturally. She's vegan. She eats healthfully. She exercises. And the trolls just want to find the fault in a beautiful supermodel and point it out to the world. I I just don't know. And she's funny in her response. She calls these people the wrinkle brigade. If she's not losing sleep over it, but every woman can look at the things about herself that she does not like in the mirror. And you do not want others pointing it out. We know. We would like for you not to talk about it. Well, I and know. I, and the same thing was happening this last week with Sally Field. Like she, you know, she posted a picture of herself without makeup and she hasn't done any of the surgeries or Botox or anything. And she's, you know, aging gracefully and she still looks great. And I don't understand why people have to hate. I mean, I, I want to like, my wife loves my crow's feet, you know, like, you know, when, when it's there, she's like, Oh, that's sexy. Like, <laughs> she likes it. It doesn't bother me. I don't care. I, you know, I got the salt and pepper. I just let it happen. It's all going to happen to all of us and be comfortable. Again, we say this on this show regularly because I feel like it's the one thing we keep coming back to be comfortable in your own skin, whether you are six, 16, 60, 86, it doesn't matter. Let yourself be comfortable where you are because there are certain things you can and cannot change. You know, I mean, my tattoos, some of them have faded and need to, do I want to spend the money to get them retouched? I don't know. That's a lot of money. You know, <laughs> I'd rather go back to Hilton Head. You know, it's like. Well, and I don't want to be a hypocrite. Um, I would back up to a Botox truck and let it take over my whole body. I, I you know, I've had surgeries. I've had things <laughs> lifted, tucked, done, sucked, moved. You know, but that's me. I feel good that way, and I don't think there's anything wrong with somebody who makes choices. I mean, my stomach, due to my gallbladder surgery, looked like an alligator ate me alive. And due to pregnancy, it looked like I was ripped across the stomach and then a flap was falling down. And I went and had it fixed. And, you know, people just, oh, you got a tummy tuck. You're all that. And how much did that cost? And I'm like, and I always say, if you could have seen my stomach, you'd have driven me to the doctor. You've been like, like girl, mm. We got to keep that covered. Well, now I can wear what I want. And I think that's okay. So I don't want to be a hypocrite. Yes, she's natural and looks to me 30. But why, why, why do we want to mess with the place that hurts women so much is our appearance? Yeah. 
I, I guess that we... makes someone feel good about themselves. Yeah, and we live in a in an age now where Martha Stewart is on the cover of Swimsuit Sports Illustrated. So let's <laughs> remind people of that. And again, you let God be the one who defines who you are, and not letting TikTok and likes and follows and you know who's watching my lives. That's stop. Just please, for the love of God, stop, because you're only putting yourself in a place that you're going to spend more money on things that don't matter, and it's going to mess with your headspace, and it's not worth it. God loves you the way you are, and he puts people around you that also love you for who you are and where you are and what you look like. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. So Wayne says, I can't wait to see what you look like much older. It's going to be fantastic. You know what I mean? Well, the aged filter. Have you seen how people are freaking yes. out over that? I mean, yeah. I just, I mean, I looked like my dad. Like I, I was, I put it on. I was like, there he is. <laughs> There he is right now. I could go and take a picture of that filter with my dad and it's us, right? Wow. And and that's fine. You know, it's fine because I don't care. I really don't. And, and I didn't post my aged picture because, again, I don't need people blasting and blowing up my notifications over an opinion that doesn't matter to me anyway. But I'm just like, I I, I just can't even. I need some My Brother's Cup and I can call it a day and... Just get some Roxanne blend and, and I don't need it. anything else. That's right. Just enjoy it. It's a little bit of pecan, a little bit of butterscotch, which sounds odd, but it's just so yummy. I got to pick it out and I'm picky. And so I tried a lot of different coffees and then they put my name on the bag, which is kind of still thrills me. I'm like, what is that all about? Mm -hmm. But it sends missionaries around the world. It's run by wonderful people. Kay Pittman is an absolute angel. She took over when her husband, Mike, passed away. And it's all about Jesus. You know, it's all about Jesus. So you go to mybrotherscup.com, click on the Roxanne blend. You're going to love it. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. I love the people that God gives us to talk to and to know better that glorify him. It is such a thrill, Ace. Yeah, we've got Ray Howard here. He's got a brand new book, From Crime to Christ. And anytime you listen to this podcast, I mean, the whole banner of Unlimited is really about lifting all of the weight, all of the things of our past, and then being bold enough to share them so that people go, oh, I can relate to that. And Ray's story is in the midst of that. So we welcome him to the show. How you doing, bud? Doing great, guys. So glad to be here. I just have yes. to jump right in because, I mean, to go from crime to Christ, people would they, they, they cannot say that Ray Howard is not in a place of transformation. So take us back how first you got into the crime side of your life. So I guess when I was about uh, 14 years old, uh, growing up in West End, uh, I was introduced to crack cocaine, selling crack cocaine, uh, uh, two of my cousins who are now deceased they were both murdered um uh they introduced me to drug selling uh as a 14 year old kid growing up in the inner city you know i just wanted to make a few dollars uh buy a pair name brand sneakers or you know what have you and uh you know i had a good home i had two working parents so i come from a you know a working class family um, and I went to school at Vestavia. My dad, uh, ended up retiring from the school system, from the board of education, from working in the school system. And I just never felt like I really fit in at Vestavia. 
So I, it was very awkward growing up for me because I we went from West End to Vestavia Hills every day. And uh, my dad was the maintenance man. And my classmates' dads were CEOs of companies and lawyers and doctors. And I just felt like I didn't fit in. And they didn't purposely make me feel any different. It was all in my head. It was in my mind. And I could not get over it. I couldn't get over it in my mind. So uh, the vices that gripped the community that I lived in, uh, they became, they eventually overwhelmed me and had the greater influence in my life. And I got introduced to selling drugs, crack cocaine at around 14, first arrested at 15, in prison at the age of 19 years old. The cousin that first introduced, gave me the drugs to sell was murdered at the age of 19. Uh, at 18, 18 19, uh, I was on my way to prison. Well, I quit my job at the age of 17, and my the, the manager told me, he said, uh, you'll be dead in a year. That would have happened had not Jesus um, intervened in a robbery where I was tied up and I was robbed for the drugs and money that I had. Needless to say, you know, the prison, the first trip to prison did not deter me from, you know, uh, the life, the the glamour, the the women that I so craved, the lifestyle that I craved. Uh, it only, uh, I guess, emboldened me even more um, uh, to, to go after it. And so... Um, you know, it's it was just a story of getting down on my knees saying, God, give me one more, more chance. And when he did when he did that, go right out and do the same thing again. And, uh, you know, finally, I had a real encounter with Jesus Christ sitting in the backseat of a police car. Mm-hmm. And that is the subject of my book entitled Arrested. And uh, I was actually leaving a strip club. I had left the strip club and, uh, you know, my poor mother who Jesus used to reveal himself to me, she had just, that poor lady had just done everything she could for me. And, uh, I think I had been out of prison about two years and I was leaving a, a adult entertainment club and I had been drinking and, um, I fell asleep under the wheel and ran into the back seat of a, a, a the back of a uh, tractor trailer. And the driver said all he heard was a thump. Well, the little car that I was in was completely just mangled. You know, you couldn't even tell what kind of car it was. And by the grace of God, there was only a, I only had a scratch on a few scratches on my forehead. Uh, I wasn't even going to get arrested until the, the officer smelled alcohol on my breath. And uh, when he smelled the alcohol, he gave me the field sobriety test. Of course, I failed it. And there I was getting arrested on parole. I had already spent three and a half years in prison. Uh, my, you know, my mother thought that, hey, maybe I was going to straighten up and fly right. But um, about three or four in the morning, I'm getting arrested. And I look up. I look up. Uh, you know, I had been, I don't know how many times I had been arrested. But this particular night, here it was, 
I had been out of prison for two years, and my poor mother was out there on the side of that highway to see about me at four in the morning. She had to be to work. Um, she worked in the Department of Corrections for 30 years. My mother retired from the same Department of Corrections that her only son went in and out of. So I look up and through that uh, window, the back of that police window, police car window, I, I saw my mother. But for an instant, she was transfigured and I saw the face of Christ and his eyes radiated. They glowed and I saw his face and instantly a weight was lifted off of me. Mm. And he said, you're wrong. He said, all the love that's flowing through her is coming from me, son. And he set me free right there. The weight, the anger, the confusion, the hostility, all of the uh, these emotions that I had grown up with and I, they were gone. And everything right, every every truth that someone had spoken, it it was awakened in me. It, I said, I, I got it. It could happen. And I wasn't looking for it. It was real, like a pop road to Damascus um, event. And it just, it came alive. And I went from, you know, leaving a strip club to, you know, I'm going out knocking on doors, telling people what had happened to me. Mm. Well, I knew that I was going to go back to prison because I knew that they would violate my parole for the DUI. And I went on back, but I went back preaching Jesus. And, but Ace, I wish, I wish that was the story, the nice little, I wish that was the, you know, like we Christians like to, I wish that was the, the totality of it. I wish that was it that I could say, you know, from that point on, I've been, I've been preaching Jesus and no, I relapsed. Mm -hmm. I backslid. It was a it was messy. It's been messy, yeah. but God has been faithful. That's that's the crux of God is He's been faithful. He's He's been committed. His love is irrevocable. I mean, it's been messy. I I backslid for seven years, and ended up doing cocaine. I never even did cocaine before. Before I was just an alcoholic. Yeah. I ended up backsliding and picked up a cocaine addiction. You know, got got even more uh, entrenched in pornography, and you know, there were other lusts that seemed to just. And you know, that time I didn't even think I could get free. I didn't think I was ecstasy. Beautiful women, cocaine, strippers, white with us. Yeah, because we're raw. I, it was white women. I used. I was attracted to white women, cocaine, feel ecstasy, and it was just, you know, an ongoing party. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think I was going to be able to get free from that. And I struggled, and I struggled. And then one day, God said, if you get high again, if you if you continue, you may not, you may not be able to come back. And I remember 
that last incident. And, you know, from crime to Christ, the ministry, the testimony, it's all centered in his grace, his love. I remember God telling me that as long as you're willing to try, there's grace. As long as you're willing to get back up, mm-hmm. there's grace. And that's my, that's, that's the, the crux of my message. You know, we're not perfect people, but we serve a perfect God. We serve a God that administers perfect grace. We serve a God that will never, ever turn his back on you. We serve a God that loved you in your mess. He died for us. And so we don't have to pretend We don't have to pretend we can be ourselves because he died for the real you, the real ace, the real Raymond, the real Roxanne. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have to. There's a freedom. There's a freedom. And that's why I love you guys. I love you guys. There's a freedom. I love when I see you guys on social media and Roxanne, she's always with her husband. They're just everywhere. I love it. I mean, they're everywhere. It's like, I'm like, go rock saying, I love it. <laughs> I mean, seriously, because, and Ace, and I, you know, I see Ace with his wife, and because look, we're flawed people. Yeah. But we have a God that loves us. His love. Oh my God. Oh. And, well, <laughs> and I want to know so. <laughs> you kind of told it all, but I, I, the, the, the trench, what was it that finally stuck? Like after you, well, you said that God said, if you get high one more time, you're done. What was it that made it stick though? Was it really God's words? Or, I mean, was there a way that you, did you see yourself differently? Did you see him differently? Cause again, I know what it's like to be lured by beautiful women and, you know, and have those things that, trigger and pull you in and the rush and all the emotions and hormones and everything takes over. But at some point you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. What was that, that flip switch for you? God says, you got to love me more than you love that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> look, man, these women are still beautiful. I still think of, look, I, that's why I tell people. And I like that I'm on this show. I look cocaine if you like sex, don't ever use cocaine. That stuff is like it it it's, it's like pouring gasoline. Yeah. It's like a hundred times. It's so addictive. Like it makes sex feel a thousand times more intense. Mm-hmm. So just imagine how good sex already already is. Yeah. So I would snort that stuff and be just like you know, intense euphoria. And you, I, you, I still think about, I had to, but Ray, what to I love, lo- what I love about you is that you're in schools telling kids what they need to hear, which is do not try cocaine once. Do not do it. Don't, oh, well, I can try it this once yeah. because that once Not that I've ever tried cocaine. I haven't. But what I hear is, and you can say if it's true or not, that first hit, you never get, understand, as high as that. And then you're messed up, right? You're messed up. 
You're okay. forever chasing that euphoria. You're forever, and you'll never forget it. You'll never forget it. But to ace this question, you've got to love God more than you love that. You got to you. That's, it's the simple revelation, Robson. God says, "You're. Do you love what? Do you want what I have for you more than you want that? Because guess what? That is still good to the flesh." But God and what he has, it, it has to, you have to come to a place where that's better. Yeah. That, that's what it all boils down to. Amen. Amen. Sin is pleasurable. But God is better. His, his plan, his, his weight. His love is better. Mm -hmm. And that's just, I don't know how any other way to put it. Yep. Raymond Howard's been our guest. The book is called From Crime to Christ. Make sure you pick it up, make it a part of your summer reading. And Ray, we always love to see you, man. Thanks so much for taking the time this week. Thank you, guys. Love you. All right. One final thing today. I have to ask you the big Heinz ketchup debate. Yes. Where should Heinz ketchup be kept on the shelf or the refrigerator? I've always kept it in the cupboard until I open it. But then once it's been opened, it goes in the fridge. Correct. Okay. Yay. They polled 2,500 people and it was half and half. Yeah. But the Heinz company has said absolutely once it's open in order to maintain its freshness and its great taste, it needs to be refrigerated. But doesn't it even say on the front, refrigerate after opening? Why is that a debate? Why are we still talking? It, about- it is actually something that people have been talking about. Isn't that funny? It's crazy. I, I will say, though, I'm one of those when it comes to condiments, like, will you like, you know, you keep it in the fridge to like, the you know, you like squirting out, you know, <laughs> and then I the other day I went to clean was reorganizing the cupboard and there was like an extra bottle of mayonnaise and mustard in the back that still had not expired, still had not been open. And I was like. Why am I trying to squeeze this so hard to get the last <laughs> little drop? And there's a perfectly good bottle right there. So I need to, I need a better inventory system. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I doubt that because I know you showed me once your organization and it made me come home and, and tackle my cabinetry. I oh. mean, wow. I mean, all of the late, let's face it. All of the labels are turned mm. toward the front. I do like that. I've I've found too that now I go grocery shopping on Saturday mornings because it's right after they've restocked all the shelves and everything's perfectly fronted. So it's very therapeutic to just <laughs> push through the aisles. And, <laughs> I'm not afraid to admit it. it saves me therapy. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out and spending time with us each and every Friday. New episodes, like, follow, and subscribe so you don't miss out on what's coming up and go back and listen to what you've missed. Thanks as always to My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group. Roxanne, have a great weekend. I love you. I love you dearly. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneAndAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.